to reflect on what you've done and who you are to us today. Lord, we look forward to this day when we will stand before you. Lord, we love you. Bless each and every one who takes of this meal. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.
every week uh, we uh, we do our best to try and um, highlight uh, a, an impact or a ministry, uh, just a, a way to kind of tell you um, how your generosity is impacting uh, not just our church and our community, but God's God's kingdom. And uh, last week I had the opportunity uh, to go down to Raleigh, North Carolina, and I spoke at Relentless Church. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we uh, we were ascending church. We, we helped plant that church um, a couple of years ago, and so I think in September they celebrated their second year, and uh, it was, uh, I'm really excited to share with you, it was, it was great to uh, to be able to represent uh, Journey down there at, at Relentless, and, uh, and, and I want to let you know, uh, again, because sometimes, I'll, I'll be honest, it's harder than others to connect, make that connection between your generosity and the impact it's making in, in the kingdom, but I was able to shake people's hands, multiple people. They've had over 26 baptisms in the last couple years, but I got to, yeah, you can clap for that. I, I was able to shake people's hands, and as I shook their hands and, and, and introduced myself, they said, thank you, thank you. Tell, tell your people back home, thank you. And, and so what you're doing, uh, what we're getting ready to do, it matters, and it's making an impact eternally. People that, that you may never meet on this side of heaven are going to be there because of what we're getting ready to do right now. And so I wanted to share that with you all this morning. If you would, uh, let's bow our heads and, and pray for our offering. God, thank you so much that you are a giver. God, that, that you love us so much uh, that, that you saw fit to give your one and only son. Uh, so that we could be with you, God, um, in, in heaven. And, and also thank you that, that, God, you love us so much that you want us to participate in that. You want us to, to feel the, the joy and, and um, the, the blessing that comes through uh, giving, giving back. And so we thank you for that opportunity right now, God. Uh, we, we just pray uh, that you would bless this offering, that you would multiply it, God, that you would have your will with it and that it would make an impact um, here at, at home and, and abroad. And, and God, that you would just do with it what you will. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. My name is Randy. It's great to have you here. Can we just give a shout out to uh, 
Matt and his team for this beautiful set back here. Nice job. Uh, and, uh, and you know, the trees out, out front, we have some volunteers, uh, Tammy and uh, some, uh, at least one volunteer helped put that together. And we just appreciate it. You know, I know we love this church. I know you guys love the church. And if you love to serve, want to do things like that, uh, use your creativity, that would be awesome. That would be incredible. Uh, we value so much the people who help serve and lead in our church. And when you came in, you should have gotten a slip of paper on your uh, seat there that has uh, an elder ballot. And this is, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about Gary. Um, Gary is a very good friend of mine. Uh, Gary and I have served together for several years as elders of this church, and uh, we always give our elders uh, a year off to kind of recuperate, and it's a good thing because this was a tough year for Gary. Uh, Gary uh, went on a trip, and then when he got back, back in the summer, he actually um, had some complications, ended up in the hospital. It was touch and go. Uh, we, we thought he was going to die. I don't know if you knew that or not, Gary, but we thought you were going to die, and uh, so uh, I, I, I don't, this is kind of strange, but it was one Saturday morning, and I was, uh, I was, I just woke up, and this was the weekend that Gary was very critical, very serious, and, and I prayed, Lord, I said, uh, I want you to please be with Gary, and I want to ask you to heal Gary, because we need him as an elder at our church. Now, isn't that selfish? I mean, really. I was laying there thinking, we really need, we need him here as an elder in our church. And, uh, and that day, that afternoon, he started getting a lot better. And uh, I believe in the power of prayer. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, but what was strange about it is a few days later when Gary was, was doing a lot better, he just bounced right back. It took a while to get all his strength. But when he, when he got well, I told him that story. And he looked at me, and he's got kind of a dry sense of humor. He said, thanks a lot. He said, I could have been in heaven. I could be in heaven right now. And you prayed that I would get well and stay here on the earth. So, anyway, Gary, you're on here. I want you all to do me a favor and check yes on this one for Gary. Uh, Gary's an awesome servant. Thank you for serving, and uh, I look forward to many more of it, all right? Uh, guys, it's a, it's a great day. It's a beautiful uh, sights and sounds of the season. God is good and, and doing some awesome things, and uh, I'm excited about this season uh, in our life, in our year, in our church, and it's really, it's really great what God's doing. You know, uh, we've been in a series here for a few weeks called Living the Dream, and it's talking about things. It's talking about the things that we have. It's talking about uh, money and resources and blessings and things like that. And, uh, you know, every now and then something just kind of jumps out at us like, man, this, this is pretty amazing about somebody got something. I, 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 you probably heard this week about that, uh, that group of coworkers, 20 coworkers who won $420 million uh, at a pot that they had, you know, down in southern Kentucky and Tennessee. They'd thrown their money together done this for eight years, finally won the big one, after taxes, that like $13 million each, and that's pretty amazing, but it's also pretty unlikely. Let me just tell you that I'm not advocating that that's what you should go do. In fact, I would discourage you because you're going to come out more than likely on the short end of anything like that. But it's amazing how people today kind of hinge their future on something like that on the lottery, on a casino, on a long shot, get rich scheme of some sort there. Uh, they want to be a millionaire. Who doesn't? You know, a few years ago, the show, who wants to be a millionaire? We all go, yes, we would love to be a millionaire, right? Well, let me tell you one surefire way to be a millionaire. You can be a millionaire. You really can. And I'll tell you how you can do that. You can save your money. In fact, if you are a young person and you were to save $10 a day, some of you write this down, $10 a day throughout your working career, 
and got 7% interest, which is pretty, pretty good for long-term saving, you could be a millionaire when you retire. It's very easily. Now, a lot of us at this point in life, we're going to have to save a lot more than $10 a day to get there, all right? But I suppose that too would be possible because that's how you do it. You save your money. In this series, we've talked about some uh, simple ways uh, that we can be faithful to God's Word. Remember, this is not something we're making up and you know, trying to just talk about, about money because it's a big deal, but this is, these are biblical things, biblical principles like gratitude, contentment, humility, trust in God. Last week, we began talking about some practices that we can actually do. The first one we talked about was debt-free living, and today we're going to be talking about a second one that really relates, and that's about how to save money. You know, money is, money is a big part of our lives. Why, you know, why do we dream about getting rich quick? Because we don't want to save slow. That's why we want to get rich quick. You know, nobody wants to slow away. It's not our nature to save. Too many of us are focused on instant gratification. We live beyond our means in the moment, and we never accumulate very much in saving because it's not a priority. Spending is. We consume when we ought to be conserving. You know, the Bible says that we are accountable to God for everything that we have, and one day we'll stand before God and we'll give account for our lives. I think Americans in our day and age have a lot to be accountable for and a lot to be responsible for because of the blessings that we do have. But one day we'll stand before God and we'll give an account for our lives and, and I believe about how we use the money he blessed us with. And understand that God gives you this and all of us in, in our area anyway are, are very blessed. We talked about how rich we are compared to most of the world. But we think about what do we do with that wealth? The very practical thing is it's some that we're going to use. Some that we're going to consume, some that we're going to give away, and some that we need to save as well. And that is a no-brainer when you think about it. It is a no-brainer. I mean, even an insect, a bug, has got that figured out. So if you can't, I don't know where that puts you, but, but even the insects know that. Look at Proverbs chapter 6. I love the scripture. Go to the ant, you sluggard, you lazy person. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no, no overseer or ruler, and yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. We all know the industrious nature of an ant. You see it out scurrying around, busy, 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 moving things many times its size and, and weight. Busy, but it doesn't consume everything. What does it do? It's always hauling something. If you watch an ant, it's always moving something and moves it, this food, to their uh, den or whatever ants live in, their hole, and, and it saves it there. It saves a part of it. And in the wintertime, when there is no food and nothing is available, it munches on what it's saved up. That's the principle, the principle that we find in God's Word about saving. See, money is a tool. Money is not good or bad necessarily. It can be used constructively or destructively, and uh, we have to decide how we're going to use it. And there really are two extreme uses of money. On one extreme side is spending everything, consuming all that you have. What are we as Americans? We are consumers. That's what we're described as. And there are tons of ways to spend every dime that you got. We can consume, spend money as fast as we get it. The other extreme on the far side is hoarding. And we know that word hoarding has got to, you know, we see that in our mind because we've seen it on TV what extreme hoarding is. But it's not just junk and things that people hoard. It's also money, that people hoard money. They become very greedy. They won't turn loose of anything. They don't give. They don't care for themselves. They don't care for their home or anything else. They just selfishly pile it up and become greedy. And both of those are wrong. 
And the Bible addresses both or condemns both of them. So what we're going to talk about is the balance somewhere in the middle because, you know, you, you got to spend some, you have to spend some, and you really need to save some, but somewhere in the middle is what we're going to call saving. And that's a biblical principle as well. So that's the second biblical practice here is to save money. And Americans are terrible at it. We are the most blessed people, but we're the worst ones at holding on to any of it. Millions of people have nothing in savings, and they're living from paycheck to paycheck. I was reading the other day some statistics. One out of three families making $75,000 a year say they are struggling. And you're thinking, some of you are, I would love to struggle like that, you know? I also read that um, one out of four families making $100,000 live from one check to another. Seven out of ten Americans are struggling with too much debt, too much spending. 20% of households have nine days of saving on hand. And those who are uh, the top earners have 52 days of liquid funds available for emergencies. I read another article that said, why are Americans broke and obese? It said, because we eat out too much. That goes together pretty well because it costs a lot to eat out and we eat out too much and it's not good for us. Really practical article. But you know, while you're saying, well, you know, as Americans, we just done, really done it poorly. That's not true. It's not really a new thing. It's not brand new. In fact, if you go back in the Bible, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus told a story about a young man that kind of personifies what we're like today. And we know him as the prodigal son. Now, you probably know the story. The main point is forgiveness and restoration of the father. Let's don't take away from the main point, but, but there's also more to the story as well. There are three words that kind of jump out about this whole idea about spending in this story. The three words are immediate, immature, and immoral. In this story, the son, if you, remember, uh, if you remember, the son wanted his inheritance from his father. He was all about money, which kind of is what our world's like. But he implied to his dad, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Basically implying, Dad, I wouldn't care if you were dead. Uh, if you were, I would have my money, so I want it now. And so the father agreed to liquidate some of his resources and gave the son his share early, which had to have affected him and hurt him. And the son, as we know the story, he took his money and he left. And he went into a far country and we know he wasted everything that he had on wild, immoral living. Until the day came when he had nothing at all to his name. Then, like what happened, hard times came. A famine came and with no food and no money, this young man was starving to death. And so he hired himself out to a farmer to feed pigs. And in fact, he was so hungry that he ate the food that the pigs were eating. Ultimately, not only was he broken financially, but he was broken emotionally and spiritually. He came to his senses, the Bible says, and he went back home to his father, and he began to rebuild that relationship. But here's the thing. He had gone through literally everything that he had, saving none of it for hard times. And how many of us know that hard times are always going to come? When we live the way we're living today, we're a lot like this young man. We live above our means, and we're very immature. We're pretending to be somebody that we're not. We're living in the moment, we want immediate gratification, instant gratification, and we never think about the future. We are, in many ways, immediate, immature, and immoral, because really it is immoral to spend everything that you have. It's very, very foolish. Now, let me give you a contrast to this young man. It's a story of another young man, this time in the Old Testament, and we have a name for him. His name is Joseph. Joseph was a young man who was sold into slavery, so he had a hard life in the beginning. He was sold into slavery at the age of 17, 
And then later on, by deceit, he ended up in prison. But God blessed this young man. He used wisdom. And God also gifted him with the ability to tell dreams or the meaning of dreams. And one day, he was called to tell the, the Pharaoh the meaning of a couple dreams he had had. See, God had revealed to him that Egypt was going to go through a cycle of prosperity and then uh, famine. And for seven years, there would be a plentiful, abundant harvest, more than they could practically use. But then after that, there was going to be seven years of famine, the likes of which they had never seen, and they could not imagine what it would be like. God revealed this dream to Pharaoh through Joseph, and then Joseph suggested a savings plan, a, a plan to, to, to deal with this issue, this crisis, a saving plan from the plentiful years to get them through the sparse years. A lot of wisdom in this. Listen up. So Pharaoh gave Joseph the job, and so Joseph went to work ignore, uh, organizing the planting of crops, the building of huge storehouses for the grain. He developed accounting methods and systems for acquiring and then distributing the grain. The grain. Here was what he did. He purchased 20% of each farmer's grain in the seven years of plenty, and then he sold it back to them in 10 years, uh, in the next seven years. Now, let me ask you this. We, we know the story and how they prospered and everyone survived, and, and it was a great story of wisdom and, and success on Joseph's part. But what would have happened if they had eaten all the grain in the seven years of plenty? Can you imagine what would happen? What if they had just said, you know what? Things are great. Remember the story I told a few weeks ago about the man who said uh, uh, he had, had blessed. He said, I have everything. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry because I've got it all. And a lot, of, a lot of us live like that. We live on everything that we have. We consume, we consume, never thinking about some lean years or lean time that might come. What would have happened to them? It probably would have been mass starvation. More than likely, the, most of the people of Egypt would have died during that time period. And not only that, do you remember what else happened? They were able to help people around them. Even, even Joseph's family, whom he was uh, estranged from, came down and they got their food. No doubt, uh, many people came down from uh, uh, Judea as well as other countries to get food as well. And probably you know that Jesus Christ came through the lineage of Joseph as well. So understand that he actually provided food for many generations as well as many countries. Here's what it says in Proverbs 21. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Proverbs is very practical about how to conserve whenever we are being blessed. So if we're going to live the dream, the American dream, we have to learn how to save. And we cannot continue to consume all that we have. We can't be reckless and wasteful. Why? Because emergencies and famine is going to come. Most of us, or a lot of us, have somebody who lives with, with us whose name is Murphy. If not, every now and then Murphy shows up in your house. You know, you know Murphy, right? He's the one, the Murphy's Law, that if something bad can happen, it probably will. At the most inopportune time, Murphy's going to show up and something is going to affect your finances. I mean, that's just how it is, right? Something's going to break, something's going to bust, something's going to wear out, something's going to tear up. It might be your uh, furniture, it might be your appliances, your furnace, your transmission, your children. <laughs> something is going to cost you some money. And maybe it's a loss of income that's going to happen. You know, a lot of us never think about that, but, but in our day and age, it's, it's a reality. Job security is not what it used to be back in, you know, a few years ago. It used to be, in my dad's age, that you got a job and you stayed with that job all your life, all your working career. 
and you never had to worry. And then you retired, and you had a pension, or you, know, you had money, and you were good. But, but that's not what happens today. In fact, today, people change jobs every 4.4 years. And many times, it's not their choice. Layoffs and cutbacks and you know, shutting down, shut down. All those things happen. It can happen to any of us at any time. And we just don't think about that. We don't, we don't consider that. Or maybe you hate your job. You're making great money, but you hate your job, and you know that's not where God wants you to be. Could you quit your job if you really needed to or really wanted to? Could you take less money because you had not gotten in debt and because you had saved up some money down the road? And then what about retirement down the road? You know, a lot of us dream and we think about what retirement might be, but I'm not talking about what the world views as retirement. You know, the world says retirement is you get out as quick as you can, and then you do nothing. That is not really a biblical concept. It really isn't. In fact, what the Bible calls that is laziness or slothfulness, which is not a good thing. So retirement, that dream that we have, is, is not good for you spiritually. It's also not good for you physically. If you don't do something, you're going to die in a very few years. So, so retirement is not a great idea. But what I'm talking about here, I'm talking about being able to cut back. Now, maybe there'll be a time when you can back down from some responsibility. Or more than likely, there'll be a point in your life that you will not be able to work physically as you get older. When that happens, are you going to be able to? Are you going to be prepared because you prepared for that time? Those are great questions, isn't it? Now, we already said that saving doesn't come naturally to us. So to do that, we've got to be really intentional. We've got to be intentional about this. We've got to say, you know what? This is a discipline for my life. We need to have goals. Have some goals in our life. Uh, one of those might be, what do you want to have or do that you cannot currently do without borrowing? In other words, we don't want to borrow anything. We talked about that last week, how, how foolish that is, uh, unless we just have to do that. But what is it that you might want to do or have that you can't do currently? Whatever that is, save up a save, uh, put together a saving account for that. Start saving toward that. You might have several things that you're saving toward. Uh, what do you need in the future? What's going to wear out? Your car, more than likely. You might want to have a savings account for that so that when the time comes, you'll be prepared to do that. What is it that your faith might compel you to do? That God might say, I want you to do this. And you probably can't do it at the moment. But God says, this is, this is a goal for you. Go do it. God put something on my heart a, a while back that I, I want to go do. And so I've got a savings account. Now, that's not in the bank, but it's in, you know, I'm going to tell you where it's at. But, it's, um, but I'm saving this money up because I believe God told me to do that. And so I'm going to get there, you know, at that point, and, and then I'll be able to be obedient to that. But what is it that your faith might compel you to do that you cannot do currently, but, but you might save toward that? Maybe your goal is to be prepared for the unexpected. That's a goal as well. You know, Dave Ramsey, who, who uh, leads the, or teaches the Financial Peace University, suggests that you have an emergency fund of six months of your expenses. That's a great goal. That's a savings goal that you might look toward. Now, when, when do you want to start that? Well, it, yesterday or last week would have been great, but immediately is the time to start saving, you know. Life is just going to keep happening, and needs are going to keep coming up, and the sooner you start, the better. And, and beyond that, for your retirement, you want the power of compounding interest. Now, compounding interest is when interest is paid on the savings balance plus on the interest it's, it's earned. That's smart. When you're, you're moving, when you have interest on your interest, and the longer you have that, the better. 
You know, last week we talked about debt-free living, and we said that you, uh, you get in debt, and then you're just paying interest. Sometimes that's all you pay. And if you're not careful, even with like a credit card, you can be paying interest on interest. And that's when you're really getting in trouble. You're going backwards that way very quickly. But what you want to be doing, you want to be earning interest on the interest you've earned, not paying interest on the interest you're being charged, if that makes sense. That's smart. That's wisdom from God's Word. And that's why you need to get out of debt as soon as possible. Compounding interest, it's, it's a great thing. To see how interest might accumulate, I think this is fun. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a really numbers person, but every now and then some numbers strike me. But I like the rule of 72. Maybe you know that. The rule of 72 says that you can take 72 and divide it by the rate of interest that you're earning on whatever it is, and, uh, and the answer is how many years it will take for your money to double. Your money to double, that's multiplying. That's pretty interesting. For example, if you're earning 5%, it'll take 15 years to double your money. If you're earning 10%, it'll take seven and a half. But, but however it is, and however you do it, start early, stick with it, and stay out of it. That's great advice, really simple advice for being able to manage your financial future. Now, how much should you save? How much of your income should you save? Well, there's a rule that's out there, and I, I don't think it's a bad rule at all. Uh, it, it's the 10-10-80 rule. That says if you give 10%, you save 10%, and you use 80%, you're going to be okay. That's a really good estimate to go about. If you were to do that for an entire working career, you wouldn't be set for anything, including retirement whenever you get there. Now, if I had it to do all over again, that's what I would do, no question. I would eat Raymond noodles, and I don't like Raymond noodles, but I would eat them anyway if that's what it took to do that, you know, because we tried several times. You know, in ministry, one income, four children was really tough for a lot of years. And so we didn't do this. I'm trying to help people understand it's smart to do it because now we're trying to catch up, all right? Now, how do you start that? Well, very simple. Get on a budget immediately, start, a, uh, start an emergency fund, get out of debt, and be intense and focused. Now, where should you save? Savings can part. Where do you save? Well, I'm not a financial planner, so I'm not qualified to help you, but I will tell you that you need to talk to somebody about that. And it's not like it's going to cost you a bunch of money. They're willing to talk to you about your, you know, about your insurance and about your protection and all those sort of things. We have some very good uh, advisors in our church that would help you, advise you. And here's the thing, it's hard to do it wrong. If you save, save anywhere, save somewhere, just do it. But also you can save in the wrong place. I heard a story about a woman in Israel a few years ago that, uh, that put all of her life savings in her mattress. Maybe you've heard that story. Uh, she put her money in her mattress for safekeeping, and she had done pretty well. She had a million dollars in currency, and she had that million dollars stuffed in her mattress. And it was really uncomfortable, but it was very comforting to her to have that. And so uh, she didn't tell anybody. She didn't even tell her daughter about that. And one day she was out. Her daughter came in. You know what's going to happen, right? Her daughter came in, saw this lumpy old mattress that her mother was sleeping on, felt sorry for her mother, bought her a new one, threw that one out. And when her mother got home, she didn't even tell her mom. It was a surprise to her. That night when she slipped into bed and, and a comfortable mattress, she screamed out loud, but by that point, the mattress had been hauled away and was never found by her, maybe by somebody else. Can you imagine that? But you need to save in the right place. And then the last question I want to ask is, why do you save? Why do you do that? Let me give you two words as to why we should save. Number one, we care, and number two, we share. 
We save because we have to care for ourselves and others. Listen to this verse of Scripture, 1 Timothy 5. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, oftentimes we take that to mean for somebody who won't work and provide. But you know, there are other ways to provide for your family and, and care for your family. And that means that you have to make a hard decision uh, to, to save in the moment. And guys, I want to speak to guys a minute because I believe that God has put the responsibility to lead family on men. And guys, here's the thing I want to tell you. Don't be crazy. Don't be a dictator. But you need to take the lead in, in leading your, your family financially. And it's probably not going to be popular, maybe not even with your wife, definitely not with your kids. But, but when you think down the road and you think what the future looks like for you, your kids are not going to be happy taking care of you down the road maybe. You need to, take, you need to be responsible. You need to take care of your family. You need to have insurance. You need to, you need to provide for the future down there. Understand that. The Bible says if you don't do that, then you're, you are, you're, you're not being faithful as you should. So I want to encourage you to do that. Take the lead on that as in every leadership area of the family. Don't expect to win the lottery. It's not likely that that's going to happen. It really isn't. Don't expect somebody else to take care of you. That's not biblical. The biblical principles that we're laying out here are important. And I would encourage you to, to keep these principles and these practices as well. Not only do we need to care for ourselves and our, and our others, but we also need to save to share with other people. In Acts chapter 4, there's a biblical principle about bringing uh, of, of your giving and, and bringing to the church. It's, it's about uh, Barnabas, uh, who was called the son of encouragement. Barnabas was um, a man who, who gave sacrificially. He, he brought uh, some, the, the proceeds of some land that he had, and he gave it to the church to help the poor. And we ought to be Barnabases in our life. We ought to be people who are generous, who care and share with those in need. And when we make saving a habit, both for our own future and to have resources when a need is available, then we can do it for other people as well. Not just for us, we can share and care for other people. Now, I know this is hard for us. It's hard for me. I understand. I speak to myself. It's more convicting for me than anybody else. But I will tell you that, that for some of us, the discipline to save is hard because it's tight. Things are tight already in, our, in your life. I understand that. For other people, it's not really a big deal because you can afford anything you want. You can do that, and that may be hard for some to understand, but you, maybe you're there in life. But here's the thing. Just because you can afford to do something or purchase something doesn't mean that you should do it. doesn't mean that. Seasons in life may change that. I remember when our kids were small, we had a mantra we said, and I'm sure our kids got tired of hearing it, but when they wanted something, we, we said that we can't afford that a lot. We can't afford that. Uh, times have changed for us. Number one, our kids are grown. If they want something, we say, buy it yourself, you know. But nowadays, you know, we're both working, our kids are out of the house, and nowadays things are a little bit different, but we may be able to afford something, but that's not necessarily a wise thing to do. We don't choose to spend our money that way. Savings is a smart thing. It will allow you to be nimble financially and allow you to make decisions and take advantage of opportunities that will come up in life. And, and you see, I think if a lot of the older folks in the room could tell us and use wisdom, they would say, do this. Do it when you're young. Do it when you can. Because it gets hard later on in life. I understand that. Now, let me wrap up by just saying this. Saving is not only a good thing to do, a smart thing to do, it is a wise thing to do. In fact, saving is an action that Jesus personifies. Think about this. 
It's what Jesus is all about. The whole concept of saving is, is modeled by Jesus. Not money. Not, he wasn't occupied with money, but souls. Because when you think about it broken down, saving is all about seeing value and setting it apart for a special purpose, for the future. And that's what Jesus has done for us. Isn't that a, a beautiful connection to saving? That's what he's done because he loved us, because he sees the value in us. Jesus chose to save us. And this morning, if you are here and you have never experienced his salvation, we would love to have a conversation with you. On your connection card that you got when you came in, maybe you turned that in already, but, but you can grab another one at the front. And if you want to share and talk to somebody about your relationship and about your own salvation, then we would love to have that conversation with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you, and, and we want to thank you that your word is so practical. God, uh, as we, we think about this biblical practice and principle of saving, we know that you want the best for us. And God, you want us to be able and equipped to not only care for ourselves and the future that we have, and God, we, we balance that with trust in you, but we know that when you bless us, you want us to, uh, to be prepared and use wisdom. But God, we also thank you more importantly for your precious and amazing Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life that we might be saved, that we might one day be with you forever. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.